it's one of those things that's, that's fairly unique to hockey is you have that huge random factor. Especially and, if Pecker gets hot at the right time, yeah, defense does does I, its I, thing. They, they could certainly make trades center to improve the team notably. I mean, you get a number one center, drastic, drastic, instant improvement, but they could win the cup with those guys. I'm not sold on Nazem Kadri being a huge upgrade. Well, I also don't think Kadri's going to be available. Um, I mean, Babcock just today said that he was dreading. Oh, I'm, I'm going to embellish a bit, but he was he was kind of he was nervous going into to, to, to Kadri, um, because he just he had heard all these stories, all these things about him, and then he met the kid, and he's like, he's actually a, he's actually a good kid. I, I think I was wrong about him. I think I expect big things out of him. You don't say that if you if you anticipate trading him. I, I think he's going to be a part of the rebuild. Process. Well, I mean, now at the same time, the coach doesn't make the roster decisions as far as like who comes in, who comes you out. See the Shanahan getting on the on the yeah, yeah, coaching today. I mean, Babcock was probably like. Just in the corner, grinding his teeth. Yeah, and I mean, ultimately, if you know Shanahan thinks that shipping Kadri out for something is going to benefit his team, he's going to be there. But I'm in the same way. Like, it, the, there was a uh, article recently talking about how Bozak might be available. <laughs> no. Ah, Nozak to Bozak. Nozak to Bozak. Twenty sixteen. We're talking about someone going to upgrade his center. Right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Welcome back to the show that is more clean-shaven than ever before. This is the Predcast presented by Lions on Internet Marketing Solutions and on the forecheck.com. We never addressed that last week. Did we not? No. Wow, it's so. it's the thing where I run into people at work still, and they're like, did you, did, something's different about you. You look younger. It's like you saw me every day for two years, and like you didn't notice that I shaved. It, it would hurt me if I cared. Um, but, I, I, it's, yeah, it's just it's, uh, streamlined, smoother. It's a good look. Yeah, it works for everybody else. John, how are you this year? I'm doing fantastic. I bought my tickets to go see Iron Maiden in April. I'm like over the moon right now. What venue are they playing? They're playing at the United Center, actually. So I get to do some voodoo magic and spit on the floor and whatever else. If you, I'll take requests Great. for anything that you want me to do. Are you sure? Yeah, you, I can rub okay. my butt no, up I, against no, one no, of the, I'm the Bobby say Hall you need, statue. You need to break into the locker room and film yourself walking over the crest. Ooh. Because that accomplishes two things. One, it's going to annoy Blackhawks fans. And two, I hate the whole don't walk over the crest thing. Like, put a giant thing in the middle of the floor and say, you guys are bad for doing something on the floor, like walking on it with your shoes. But uh, car mats and sandals with the logo on them is totally acceptable. Totally fine. Yeah, as long rugs, as it's not, area as long rugs. As it's not like built into the floor of the locker room, you can walk on it. Yeah, how about you and like Bruce Dickinson just like, you know, play Duck Duck Goose in the middle of the Blackhawks locker room? That'd be awesome. That'd be fantastic. How do you play I think Duck Duck Goose with two people is a very different game than you might be picturing. Well, Iron Maiden has six members in it, so it's more than enough people for Duck Duck Goose. Yeah, that should be enough people to do that, effectively. I didn't know the whole band was there. Which Uh, again Yeah, generally when the well, in the show locker room plays. with you. With, yeah, in the, the locker room with the you. The band is present for the entire show. In, in not, maybe not in the locker room to facing it with you. That's yeah. kind of where well, I was. How about you and Bruce Dickerson just go in there and just clog in the middle of the locker room? That'd be awesome. There you go. I can support that. that I think I could talk him into that. Okay. He seems like the, a man who would clog. Yeah. I had, speaking of uh, obnoxious traveling, I, I had a Knoxville experience over the weekend. And um, I was going as part of, a, part of the radio show that I work for. Um, I was like, hey, I'm going to... I was going to go to Western Kentucky, Middle Tennessee, and I couldn't couldn't get, uh, or they never got back with me on my credits. I'm like, well, screw it. I'm just going to go to Knoxville because it's a game that more people are paying attention to. I wasn't wasn't even going to get on the air to talk about Western Kentucky Middle. It was going to be more for the sake of their show having somebody there. And uh, personally, I was just wanting to be front row seat for the the Meteor. 
So I'm wearing a I'm wearing a Predators win shirt to a Tennessee Georgia game, and I got a little bit of I got a little bit of crap for it, but it was either I told him it was either that or Gators, so whatever. What would they say? Uh, just you know, like that's not Tennessee, man. But you know, I did get a few high fives. Oh yeah, go Preds! You know, I got a little bit of that. And that's fine. Um, your your East Tennessee accent's pretty good. What can I say? It's pretty good. So, um, I'm walking around the concourse because I'm I'm there to kind of get the, like the feel of the fan base because you know we expected this to be an absolute dumpster fire and Tennessee fans kind of giving up. So I'm walking around the stadium and I'm getting some like kind of fun reactions for where, from wearing it. Uh, this one guy was like, <clears throat> "I have to do this right." Go Prads, man! I hope they win tonight because Vols never gonna win another game in my life. <laughs> Never. There was one guy who said, "Go Blackhawks," and he was promptly told where to go by other people. And I didn't feel you know, it was kind of cool. Of course, I didn't. I should have Gator chomped him, but I didn't. But um, it was a fun experience. Uh, at the end of the day, I think that most people had a pretty positive response to it. So Knoxville, somewhat our somewhat our turf. Not that it was any like up to up to debate or anything. But well, as far as Knoxville being like. Like pre- natural predators, they've, they've heard of the natural predators. Uh, they've at least heard of them. That's good. Well, it, it's good. It's it's important because it, there's not a lot to Knoxville. So so when they hear of things, that's really good because it's they need to be engaged in the world. There are literally three uh, or two and a half sports radio stations in town, and they talk about one team all the time. So the fact that people there actually acknowledge other teams is a big deal. That sounds depressing. Have you been to Knoxville? I've driven through it. It's a little. It can Actually, be a little no. Depressing. I went to an Ice Bears game when I was in college. Ah, okay. Man, well, the SBHL team. I was only there for a night, though, so I really yeah. didn't get to soak in a lot of Knoxville. It's it's pretty. I mean, uh, there's it's, it's not pretty, my... but it's most it's it's ninety percent college, ten percent. This is your downtown. <laughs> I'm 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 um I'm hearing some of the bartenders talk to the serve, talk to the patrons there, and they're like, "Yeah, downtown's kind of hipstery now. There aren't a whole lot of places to sit and drink." And I'm like. Wow. Oh, wait, I thought that was the whole this point is, of being a hipster was having places is, to sit and drink. Right. Generally, this that's what comes in, yeah. Well, the difference is, like, what's 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 on the television? That's the only difference. Price is right? Yeah. No, 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 no. We're talking about Saturday nights. Oh. You know, what's what's on the TV? Or Sunday afternoon, what's on the TV? You know. I don't know. What, what is on the TV? Golf. Must be NFL football. So guys were people. Guys were in from out of town looking for places to go watch the NFL, and they couldn't find any downtown Knoxville. Oh, okay, got it, got it. Sorry, the whole football thing in me. I'm just I don't know. <laughs> I don't know the intricacies of of the true Southern college football culture. Yeah, but there was one guy who was actually sitting next to me at Calhoun's who was trying to find the Eagles game. There's always one. There's always one. Mm-hmm. So. On to God's sport. Uh, opening week of the season, Predators start off with a 2-1 win over Carolina. Let's dive into that one. Um, Victor Arvidsson scores his first NHL goal by just being a drive-by in front of a Seth Jones shot. Uh, Craig Smith, gorgeous man, gorgeous goal. Rene with a near shutout, but again, I mean, it's like a flashback from last year. They looked out of gas in the second and third period. Um, where are we at with this? I mean, it's... we, we this, this game? Yeah, what, what's your takeaway from the Carolina game? If they could just copy and paste the first 10 minutes into the rest of the other 50 minutes, they'd be set. I mean, uh, I think you mentioned something of it on Twitter, but and certainly from when I was looking at it, it, that looked like the team that we were watching in November and December that just could not be beat. Carolina was reeling in their own zone. Cam Ward was under siege. And then for whatever reason, halfway through the game, they just... Yeah, it's it's almost a carbon copy of what happened through a lot of last year in that the team would just come out in the second and for some reason they just didn't have it and it would take them another 
20, 30 minutes to figure out what they were doing wrong. And, I, and I, you know, I, I sit and wonder, is it a, a strategy thing the team has in that they come out in a certain way in the first period, you go to the intermission, the other team adjusts really well, the Predators don't make any significant adjustments, expect things to go the same way, and they don't. Uh, and, and that just sort of repeats. And then finally they like, okay, let's we get we get the new system working, the changes, and then they start surging again towards the end, or if there's some like reason they want to coast through the middle part of the game. I don't know. Possibly just some good old counter adjustment. I mean, just giving your oppos- giving the opposition less chance to counter adjust. But at the same time, like it's just frustrating for us because they're better than just two to one, better than North better than the Carolina Hurricanes. Well, absolutely. Yeah, and uh I had a thought and just completely flew my mind. So you can take this one and I'll catch up. Oh, okay. Um, so the other thing I was going to throw out is, is I was looking at some of the, the matchup numbers in terms of who was successful against whom on the ice uh, for, for the, two, the teams out there. And I didn't get the impression that the line matching was working all that well for Laviolette on that first game. And it's probably, you know, you're getting some of the kinks worked out. You're trying to figure out which players are going to play where. But I think that, was, that seemed to be part of the issue is that no one was really finding regular success against anyone on, on Carolina's side. And that might suggest that there were some line-matching issues where they weren't getting the right personnel out for the right time to counter Carolina or to take advantage of a weak point that Carolina might have had in their lineup. And yeah. Carolina has a lot of weak points. Yeah, and you also mentioned like players getting used to each other and everything like that. And I think um, one of the issues was, one, it's the first game of the season. These guys, uh, a few of them haven't played together a whole lot. But, I mean, generally most of the team is back from last year so you wouldn't think that there was would be a whole lot of um stumbling or anything like that but again you could maybe chalk it up to you know first 10 minutes of the game first period of the game adrenaline's going it's opening night you're going hard and then all of a sudden you just kind of taper back and then there goes that adjustment that you were talking about and comes in because i mean carolina did the same thing um against detroit like two nights later where they were doing nothing but peppering with them in shots. And I think they got really close to winning that game and then ultimately lost. Plus, if you, if you can't win a face-off, especially against a team like Carolina, that Carolina doesn't have, you're right, they do have weak points, but down the middle, that's not one of their weak points. With Stahl, Stahl, Lindholm, Rask, pretty pretty good center lineup when they when they have it. Yeah, but I, I still think centers are, winning face-offs is, is still overvalued in the NHL. I do um, I agree. That. Unless you're really, unless, unless they're winning... 67 percent of the face-offs it's it's going to have a pretty small impact but i i do think that that the predators when they were losing face-offs were chasing a bit too much uh and this is just kind of a random observation maybe you guys might have some insight but they were giving up uh through the course of the game a lot of shots um on the predators left side so so the right wingers the right right side players for carolina were actually getting some really good opportunities and luckily, you know, Weber was over there, you know, he's blocking shots and, and, and keeping them from the net. But that's where they were really pouring it on from. Um, and the one goal came on the right side. Granted, it was practically in the paint. Uh, but for some reason, they were having a lot of success coming down that right side uh, and, and making things happen through through big chunks of the game. All right, anything before we close the book on this one? I'm set. Following up with a shutout win over Edmonton. I wouldn't say more of the same, but there were still plenty of times I thought where Edmonton could have, uh, if they had gotten maybe a bounce or so, it could have gotten back in the game. Uh, Rena gets a shutout. Craig Smith. Craig Smith's becoming like a good little model of consistency, is he not? 
I, he's been a model of consistency for the last couple of seasons. Yeah. I mean, we talked about it in the episode where we previewed both the uh, team and then the divisions where you can essentially set your watch by him now. Just prepare for 25 goals about and about 25 assists, and that's what you're going to get. And so far, he, he's off to that pace. What else do you want? Yeah, I mean, I, I he's one of my favorite predators. He has been for a while. I kind of latched onto him early. Um, anyone who's a regular on OTF probably has, saw some of the, the joke images and things that I created over the years um, to, to kind of throw my hat in, in the, in the uh, Craig Smith honey badger ring. Uh, but yeah, I thought, you know, I thought he had a really good game and, and continues to show what he puts in each and every night. I actually thought that the bulk of the top six had a much better effort against the Oilers than they did against Carolina. They were, they found success regularly throughout the game. Uh, I mean, the whole game was a lot closer in terms of chance and things along those lines, uh, despite the fact there were, there were no goals to the Oilers. Yeah, the Oilers did still find a way to, again, creep back in, and the Predators did find a way to let them do that because uh, I remember this one started off much slower than the Carolina game did, uh, but then the the Predators grabbed hold for a little bit before the Oilers started mm-hmm. to come back. Oilers started to come back. Now I'm just thinking of whales covered in oil. Mm. <laughs> well, it's not why pleasant. Are, why are whales harvested for their oil? Wow, so we, wow, this is really still really dark. Um, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> Uh, uh, looking at the Oilers, um, I got the feeling they're kind of more of like a, just a, a band of mismatched pieces in some form because you have guys like uh, Lori Korpakoski right now who's Connor McDavid's line mate. You have They have no idea still what they want to do with Leon Dreisaitl. There's talk about him playing on the wing, which, you know, I don't why? know. Why? Why? Yeah. Isn't that what we expected of the Oilers, though? Because, I mean, we knew that they were most likely going to be better than a seller lottery team. But I don't expect Todd McClellan to to kind of botch this. I didn't expect that. Well, I, I just think it's a matter of they, they, to your point, Dan, it's, it's a little cobbled together. They're just pieces. They just keep, they, they just draft the best player they can get their hands on. And all of a sudden they've got a whole bunch of redundant players and they have to build a team out of it. And that takes that. So you have all this great talent. All of a sudden it's not showing and not emerging because you have to still build a full team. I mean, Teddy Purcell seems like a nice guy, but does he belong in anyone's top six right now? Probably not. Uh, uh, do, Maybe, but I'd say he's a borderline at best. Yeah, uh, I think it may be a bit of a stretch still. But then again, Chris Kunitz is a you know Crosby's personal winger. Chris Kunitz is an Olympian. You show some respect. God, that hurt me inside to yeah, say. It has to hurt. We also then go to uh, New Jersey. Uh, three to one, a first road test of the year. Well, again, more of the same. Uh, don't look great. Don't look terribly inspired one nothing game going into the last uh, minute or two of the game and the devils get a power play uh i don't know what to to take from that that no (laughs) the way that power play happened was just stupid i mean you they have an empty net and somehow you or they they were already empty net at that point weren't they Mm, yeah they had just pulled the goaltender well they may have pulled it because of the delayed penalty or well but they they pulled it the the goaltenders out of the net but they were in the uh devil zone so, you know, you're like, oh, Predators have got this. And then a penalty. And all of a sudden, you've taken a penalty like 200 feet from your goal while the net for the other team is empty. Is there a more embarrassing penalty to take? Mm, I don't know. That's a good question. I mean, you just went from a five on, you know, a, a six on five with you having all the pressure to a four on six in your own zone. <laughs> Instantaneously, he's new for here. no reason. Co- Cody Hodgson's new here. We'll, we'll Cody Hodgson, <laughs> he's he has not impressed me in the three games so far. I think he's getting better. 
uh, yeah, maybe he'll fight, get there. Finding I mean, his way a little bit. The whole third line's more. been a bit like I think a bit like we expected. They're a little bit underwhelming. It's kind of it really is the prove something line because if you're underwhelming, you get tossed down and you have to try to claw your way into something. And it's what happened. It's what happened last year where it's a someone different every single day to where and someone mentioned this uh, on the comments of the site earlier where you know what's going to be better leaving them to kind of figure out their chemistry or just kind of throw spaghetti at the wall until something sticks that's an excellent question i mean <laughs> um not a whole I mean, do you think it's an effort issue or do you think it's just kind of more of a i don't know what else it could be really actually i don't know when i look at the team they just don't look like the Predators, like what we thought we were, they were going to be looking like. I mean, again, they've got those flashes that we saw. Uh, like the first period, again, from that of that New Jersey game was like the first period of the Carolina game where they were firing on all cylinders and then the game slowed down. So I don't know if it's, you know, they're just they're getting tired, they're getting figured out, something's happening, they're just not putting all their eggs in a basket at first and going out. Um or if they're saying, you know, we'll do something now and then wait and then give some more effort at the back of the game. I don't know because it just they're not pressuring the shots like they were last year. At this time last year, they were a much better um, possession team, and a much better offensive team than they're showing right now. Yeah, it's awfully early where I don't want to diagnose anything, you know, because we've seen the Predators play against three mediocre to poor teams. I didn't even say uh, I mean, two terrible teams. Yeah, and Carolina one and New Jersey maybe. are going to be two of the absolute worst teams in the NHL this year. I agree with you about New Jersey. I think Carolina. I don't know. I think they're in a tough division, though. I think their record's going to be pretty bad. They're they're going to get just pushed around. They're going to get slammed. I don't care how many decent centers they have. They're Eric Stahl is is. I happen to agree with a lot of Carolina fans. He might as well just not even be on the ice some nights. I mean, he's just can he's just getting past the point where he's really effective. Um, where he needs to be to, to be a top line center, so you know I, I really want to reserve judgment until they start getting when they play the Islanders, um, and then they can start playing teams like the Sharks and the Blues and things like that come up uh, that are going to test the team a little bit more, so we can figure out what may or may not be going on because they could hit the Islanders and really start getting pressed early by a very active attacking team, and all of a sudden they remember what made them so successful last year and they mm-hmm. pull it all together. Uh, I don't. I I still worry about um, down the middle. I I don't have, and I I don't. I'm sure I've expressed. It. I don't have a lot of faith in in Fisher and Ribeiro. No, um, I don't think any of us. I do. think I think you probably have on your list somewhere. And you might have mentioned it. The, the swap that's happening. They had they had Fisher in the top line, Ribeiro in the bottom um, as a, as a line setup. Yeah, that's a, and I think that's that happening this early. Even the practice line worries today, me a little bit. Today on Wednesday. Practice lines had Fisher sitting between Neil and Forsberg. Mm-hmm. Now, on paper, that's a great two-way line because all three of those guys are very good as far as possession numbers go. Well, Fisher is okay, but yeah, that's a good defensive line. But still, this is these are your two top goal scorers. Why is Mike Fisher between them? Who's going to pass on that line? I mean, Forsberg can pass, but that's not what he's – he's kind of there to be kind of a wild card in the line. Um, Ribeiro between Smith and Wilson sounds like it works fine, but – Again, he's a puck distributor. He needs to be feeding the puck to people like James Neal. Plus, who's going to play defense on that line? Colin Wilson. That's about it. <laughs> and that's, well, I mean, the, yeah, no one's going to play. Board. Well, I mean, he's he's better than than Smith or, or Ribeiro, but still, I mean, relative to the rest of the team, it's a 
fairly weak defensive setup period. Yeah, you're not going to put that line out there to. Um, yeah, and, and if Wilson's playing wing, he's going to be deeper in the zone. So him getting he, he him getting back to actually in defensive position when he's playing a wing role is going to add even more pressure on him trying to be a good defensive player for that line. So I, I think. I don't know. It, it worries me that they're making a center shift like this so early because the center shift is, more, is, is way more significant than a winger. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I just think it comes from people anticipating that Fisher and Ribeiro were going to come out and start replicating what they did last year. Ribeiro may be capable of that. Fisher really don't believe he's capable of hitting the numbers he did last year. Um, I mean, he may hit similar numbers in the course of the year, but it's going to be at much slower rates if he if he hits them. And going back to your point, uh, you mentioned when the Islanders come out and start, you know, hammering them offensively and the Predators go, whoa, whoa, okay. And I think everyone right now, and uh, from the general reaction I'm getting on the website and Twitter and just looking around, I think the general reaction is, and general expectation is people are expecting them to be like, oh, here we go, good team, let's turn on the Jets, we're going to go. I see the argument in that, but at the same time, it makes me really nervous at the fact that they're playing these three awful teams, not doing very well, and then somehow people are expecting them to turn on the Jets against an offensive team. Or, or that despite that they're, they're succeeding in spite of themselves somehow makes them better than they are, which I've seen a few people say... It's and like, that confuses the hell out of me. They're three and zero, so it doesn't matter how they like, how they won. It's like, yeah, because good teams play through adversity. I'm like, this isn't adversity. This is the th- first few games of the season. This is them setting a tone for the season, mm-hmm. and it's not a very bright tone. And so, again, it is only three games, yeah, so yeah, again, like, I, mean, I can I can see where it's you know stand off, wait for a little bit, wait till the schedule gets a little bit more um, uh, tougher. A little bit more tougher. That's great grammar. Uh, but so I think in about two weeks after they play Tampa, Pittsburgh, Anaheim, San Jose, uh, L.A., Anaheim again, Teams Minnesota, with actual and Blues. offenses with established players. Absolutely. Once they go through that murderer's row of playoff hopefuls, I think we'll start to see what the Predators actually look like. One person that uh, that we haven't talked about yet at all because he's – we can't really say he's stolen any game for him yet is Pecorino. Pecorino's only allowed – I mean, if you want to, it depends on if you want to count six on five even strength or not. I personally don't, just because you got six forwards in the eyes. Warren Ice still has him as a one hundred percent even strength save percentage. That's good enough for me. Yep. I mean, no, we don't really like the NHL.com stats, anyways, do we? I don't know if I've ever used them. There you go. They, uh, I think I saw a tweet today that said that they mixed up D zone and offensive zone starts. I mean, SAP just does weird stuff, and then they just steal people's work. Yeah. Gr- granted, I, I believe I saw the guy who, who one of the founders of Warren, uh, Warren, I said that they gave permission. They said, hey, you guys can use whatever we have. Just give us credit. And they just used it and didn't give anybody credit and said, SAP invented this. Stop doing that, guys. Jeez. Anyway, Pecorine. Anyway, Pecorine. He's looked fine. I mean, it's hard to say. I mean, he hasn't had, he's really been super tested. Yeah, uh, and the cr- defense in front of him has been really good. I was going to say credit the defense for that too, because I was looking at the shot shot charts when I was looking uh, when I was doing some research for the article that I wrote uh, for today, and the defense is doing a pretty good job of keeping the pucks out of high danger areas, um, keeping them to the outside, and blocking shots if they happen to do get in uh, into the slot area. And I mean, I think that's what we expected, and it's good that the defense is there to kind of hold up the forwards when they're not playing so well. Yeah, and, I, and we've seen that a bunch of times. I mean, especially when they're out there with the with the fourth line. And granted, the fourth line, uh, basically, I think what they, they they manhandled the Zajac line on uh, Tuesday. 
But other than that, I mean, Ingostad has has returned to being the worst player. He is he has taken the throne back from Nystrom as being the worst player on the team. And even when the rest of his his linemates are doing well, he's doing poorly. And uh, the whole the setup with um with the new kid whose name I already Watson. Austin Watson. Watson. Yeah, it was coming back <laughs> to me. So I was working my way up there. They overall they they did not have a great time. Um, Watson and they they were just getting lit up and they could not get out of the zone sometimes. Granted, when Zajac, I mean, granted the Zajac line isn't really an elite hockey line. I mean, it's Travis Zajac. Devils dressed Jordan Tutu in their and top Jordan six. Tutu. Yeah, so I mean, you say I, I say that they did really well against that line, but that was not a great line. I think it was like Zajac, Camilleri, and Tutu. What? Yeah, I mean, that's a, <laughs> they could just muscle them around, but still, I mean, they, other than that, they were not having a good time. Uh, they were just getting lit up, could not break out of the zone against the New Jersey Devils. That's not a good sign. What do you guys so far think about uh, the performance of Gabby Bork thus far? That's been a pleasant surprise, no? He's, I think he's the same Bork he always is. It's he, whatever. I don't. He doesn't excite me. He doesn't really annoy me for the most part. I think I've talked myself into being a Gabby Bork hater over the summer just from you know not having any hockey to watch, looking at the numbers, everything like that. So um, it goes back to. Me being like, oh, you know what? He's not the absolute worst player on the team. He's okay. Yeah, you He's have to fine. have bottom six guys to fill out the roster who can play certain roles, and Bork does that. It's hard to really get upset about him. He's cheap. He's tough. He's a pretty good four-checker. I don't see why people hate him the way he does. There's no re- I don't think there's any reason to hate him, but there's no reason to get excited about him Compare either. him next to Eric Nystrom, and he's Jesus. <laughs> you know, personally. Um, French-Canadian Jesus. That's what we always needed. <laughs> Le Jesus. Um <laughs> So one thing before we get into your article, uh, we talked a bit about the line shuffling around. This is the same team last year that, or the same coach that said, I like the guys to play together and just and kind of learn each other, build up some chemistry, because that's the only way it happens. So far, we're three games through the year, and he's shuffling lines like madman. Well, I, I think these players should already know each other because they played together for 82 games last year. More than that. Except, with with the exception of Ar- what Arvids and Watson and who are on uh, the third and fourth line exactly Hodson. and Hodson but the top six guys should know each other perfectly well mm-hmm. all right so you're not gonna so at some point you, when is this gonna level out I, I think once you you start seeing regular sixty minute efforts um and and the team settles down I mean, it's it's the it's the first three games of the season we've seen so far yeah and one of the reasons why they're not scoring a whole lot right now um is just because they're not getting shots on net. They, they're they not sustaining pressure in the offensive zone, and if you don't shoot the puck on net, you're not going to score a lot of goals. Which drives me crazy, because what was Laviolette talking about in the, in, in the preseason? And the coaches, they were talking about increasing shots on the power play, getting increasing, not trying to do And the power play is working fine. The power play has been looked good. Actually looked interesting, Even yeah. when they're not scoring, they're getting good looks on it. And it's completely uh, uh, completely 180 from what they were doing last year. And that, I think that's one of the big reasons why their three games, um, you know, they've won three games because their power play is clicking. But you can't, you can't anticipate that it's going to hit, because it, it's actually been scoring at a pretty good clip. Mm-hmm. And you know that doesn't last. So I mean, at some point I think, they're going to have to Yeah, I think right now strength. they're because uh, I've been I've been tracking this uh, this season. I'm going to continue to do that. I think right now they're at like 25 or 28 percent, which actually isn't unheard of. If they can stay around 23, 22 around that, and it evens out. I mean, last year they were. I think they ended last year at 16 and went through most of the year at 14, which was the worst in the league. So if they can, even if it goes down, which I mean, I sh- I'm sure it will, because again. 
I think they've scored twice on seven attempts or twice on six attempts or something like that. Uh, even if that evens out, if they still score relatively close to where they're at right now, I think that's all we can ask for. I'm okay with that. All right. Uh, earlier today, we put it out there uh, that we had some room in the show layout for some user questions, and this is a this is new territory for us. We actually kind of carved out a segment of the middle part of the show for you people. Leading off, uh, Rachel asks on the forecheck: Do you think Lavi stops rotating the third line, or do you think if Lavi stops rotating the third line, they will produce more? Essentially, she's asking. The exact, the opposite of what we just. Yeah, we kind of just touched on this, uh, but well, it's good we can actually go into more detail now. Uh, if you want to start, yeah, I mean, I, I see that particular line being about rotation. Uh, you know, as as guys succeed and as they as they struggle, they're going to get moved there so that it relieves the pressure and you give someone else a chance. I, I think it worked really well in that role, and it, you know, that's that's there. It's essentially down there. It's tertiary scoring is really what that line is, and so you might as well just put guys through and and if you need something to be more defensive you can build it to be a little bit more defensive you can spread fourth guys up to the to the third spread some guy from the third down and start spreading responsibility so i think that third line is really important for its flexibility and as long as it remains flexible it'll chip in a few goals those guys will get hot they'll cool off those things will happen but situationally if they're getting pressed really hard the team getting pressed really hard you know, Laviolette can make it more defensive, can give people a bit of a break. And, you know, I think that's an asset and kind of a, a good, interesting way to run a third line if that's how it ends up happening. Yeah, and I don't have too much to add to that, but I will say I think it's going to get more successful depending on uh, how how comfortable Hodgson gets on the team. You know, if he starts to uh, really click with, like, Yarncroak and, and or Arvidsson or Gabby Bork, who we've seen on there before, um, I think that's going to really help, and that's going to alleviate some of the pressure on guys like Ribeiro and Neal and Forsberg and Smith um, to chip in a couple goals. Again, like you said, it's tertiary scoring. We're not wanting them to go out and score a goal every night. It would be nice, but that's, that's not their main objective right now. Um, so I think... Yeah, it, and like it would be nice to solidify some semblance of some players on there, um, but I I do agree with Link saying that I think that's going to probably be, be the most flexible line and the one that we're going to see the most changes through the year. Stephen writes in, uh, "What's it going to take to get the offense going? Are we playing to the level of our opposition?" This kind of goes back to what I mentioned before: just more shots. The, the if. Nashville can sustain more offensive pressure. They're going to score more because they've been getting out shot. They haven't been putting, other than a couple of uh, minutes here and there, they haven't been putting a lot of pucks on net. And again, as I mentioned just a couple minutes ago, if you don't shoot, you're not going to score. Yeah, they're doing a lot of the important things right. I, I've seen some really incredible neutral zone play from the Predators this year. Uh, Yossi and Forsberg especially, transitioning from offense to defense, has been really impressive. And so if they keep doing those things correctly, they should be generating more opportunities. But they seem to be getting a little bit uh, forced to the outside too much when they're attacking. So they're getting in. They really love trying to score in the rush. And they're really trying to force the score in the rush by making extra passes, extra plays. And then by the time they get set up and they've recovered the puck, they're really pushed out to the perimeter and they're struggling to get to cut inside. And that's where guys, you know, like like Wilson and like Forsberg need to get really involved because they have the the strength and the skill and stuff to get in there and cause disruption and break up uh, that that setup from the uh, the defensive team. 
Mario writes in, the team is putting up great defensive numbers right now. Product of the competition, or is it the system? Yes. Yeah, it, it really is both. Uh, I, I, these three games, I have I, I felt say more about the team the Predators are playing than the Predators themselves. The Predators have not established their identity for the season, but we have seen a lot of what you're going to see throughout the year from Carolina, New Jersey, and the Oilers. Eric writes in, um, do you think the sluggish start on offense is due to a larger focus on special teams and defense, or is it something else? It's, you know, here's a cop-out answer. I think it's too early to, to say. Uh We've we've seen three games. That's mm-hmm. not a lot to draw conclusions from, you know. So John, what you said earlier, we need a couple weeks to really evaluate what's going on to see if this this remains to be an issue. I don't think you can suddenly say, "Hey, you guys, we're going to focus on the power play and taking more shots." And all of a sudden, the team's like, "Well, I guess it doesn't mean we have to shoot at five on five because we're doing everything on the power play." Right. Unless and- unless there's a slider, because last year it was great on at five versus five, terrible at five versus four. And now it's kind of the opposite. Um, but no, I mean, yeah, again, it's it's a little bit too early to tell. And these guys have played together enough to where I think, you know, once the season starts to go in, I think we'll see uh, that even out. At least that's what I'm hoping. Yeah, and I think that that has to be, uh, when you, I think that that question was Eric Schuff of... Uh, I'm not giving away last names here. No, it's right. Of Threaditor's fame. <laughs> well, I gotta, I'm going well, yeah, to push his, his brand. I don't think he would do. mind. Please do. We're like uh, here. Yeah, so yeah, it's it's a good guy. Out of all good the product. shirt, I do enjoy seeing the hockey shirt around town. That's probably my favorite. I mean, I know it's it's kind of the one that got him off the ground, but just seeing it's that so shirt simple around, and I love I it. I like it. It's clean. It works. It's so soft. <laughs> Richard writes in, "What is the most realistic trade you see the Preds making this year?" Ooh, probably the wrong one. Um, I if they're in a position like they have been in the past. We see Poyle likes to ship out a number one pick and, and and some deep prospect for some guy who's not quite elite, but also not a, just a depth player. And I have never seen it actually work out in the history of the Predators, but it seems to be what Poyle prefers to do. Mike Fisher's all right. <laughs> Mike Fisher worked okay. Yeah, well, okay, there's an except. There's the exception. Paul Gostad's still with the team. I said still with the team. I didn't say it was great. Yeah, and Dan Brown's team. still writing books. I mean, it. Who, I mean, so it, was Dean Coons. So yeah, he, yeah. Can, he can at least string a sentence together. I guess. <laughs> I don't, Sorry, I, I don't no. really don't. I really don't like Dan Brown. That, that's you have every right to. Um, yeah, I guess it just depends on what we're looking at. I kind of hate speculating on trade. It's like one of my the things that just like makes me cringe. But, but it's October. It's time to speculate. Oh, I know. Like we gotta we gotta get that one C man. You only have like what? Austin Watson's going to do it. Don't you doubt Austin? I, uh, I want Watson to play so well so they can trade him for something better for the team because I think he's going to be way more successful in a team that's not the Predators. I think he's just going to get mired in the same crap that's kept him in Milwaukee for so long. All right, uh, let's see. We actually got some of the comments too before I circle back to the debate where we're going to like take our shirts off and find the cage. Um, let's see here. Don't re- don't reveal the secrets in my house, Dan. All right, this is a fun one. This is one of our commenters, uh, BF, uh, B. Farish 05. Internet commenters' names, man. Uh, how soon does Cody Hodgson take over the number two center duties from Mike Fisher? When he is able to be consistently decent in the third line, which he hasn't done yet. Are, are we talking about full control over the second line? Because he was taking some shifts between Forsberg and Neal during the Devils game. Hmm. 
I don't think any of the lines are set right now. Mm-mm. No, that was more, again, more spaghetti at the wall, trying to yeah. get a spark from the team. Um, I would say that, let's say that after this next week, things are going poorly. Lavi looks like he's wanting to mix up the lines. I could absolutely see him filling in up there for some reason. You know, I, I don't. I'm not excited about the team center depth at all, and so I think that means that Hodgson can go out there and win a spot in the top six. It's just he's just got to find a way to do it. I mean, we, we, there was a great article about how he spent some time improving his skating. Might not have been a yeah, no, yeah, series of tweets. No, no, that was uh, Adam Vingen. From the Tennessee and talking yeah, about I how he spent an extra yeah. three weeks in Sweden, and you know, just just making that difference um, in skating can be a huge impact. So that's brand new for him this year. That, that may give him an edge. Uh, just having younger legs and and the speed can give him an edge. So he's got a lot of opportunities that he can seize. He just has to find a way to make it happen. Yeah, and he still has a lot of question marks around him that aren't answered yet. So I think that's just going to be something that time's going to tell. Unfortunately, yeah, I'm not going to make a Mario Maker joke because I was about to. Which rival coach will Patrick Waugh attempt to assault this season, and what will be the cost? Oh, say that again? Which rival coach will Patrick Waugh attempt to assault this season, and what will be the cause? Hmm. I feel like I've got a really snarky answer for it, but it's just not there. I, I have my default answer. This is my default. When Claude Julian gets fired before the end of the season and Mike Keenan comes over to save the Bruins, they're going to fight. They're going to throw down. Juan Keenan. I, I have a feeling that he and Mike Yo just one one game are just going to be like, you know what? Let's try it. Mike let's, Yo seems let's like, go off. Mike Yo seems like a headbutter though. Yeah, I'm surprised it didn't happen the first game of the season after the Avalanche let in what four goals right back to back and to Aval- lose. Yeah, let, in, let thir- in, in the third period. Goals. I can see Mike Yo totally doing that because he looks like a guy who completely internalizes everything until finally they have like that. Minnesota every year has like that one practice that's just hell. <laughs> they did. They do this every single year. There's like some nice pictures of him, like with his eyes bulging out of his head. You can he's glaring underneath his hat. It's worth checking out. Uh, let's see. Do you have any other ones from the comment section we haven't already kind of answered? Good effort from the comment section, by the way. I give the comment section some hell, but yeah. All right. Finally, Chris Martell asks us, "What is your favorite lunch meat?" I believe we were also threatened if we didn't pick a fairly obscure lunch meat that's not terribly popular. I didn't see that. Yeah, let's see. Yeah, he's... Any, any answer other than liverwurst is incorrect. Now, liverwurst, I'm, I like liver. Liver's a fine thing, um, you know, at times. Yeah, but liverwurst, for um, liver. Yeah, liverwurst I'm not huge on. Though I, my, my favorite is is a cured meat. Um, I do like salami as a, as a, on a sandwich. Mm. That's a big choice, a big favorite of mine. I'm just, I'm basic. I love me some turkey. What kind? There's like so many different kinds of turkey. Usually I'll go with grilled grilled, grilled turkey. turkey. Mm-hmm. Um, I can take oven roasted turkey as well. <laughs> like, honestly, I'm not picky. Put some avocados on it. Mm. I, I do have to throw out there, though. Um, my choice sandwich, my absolute choice sandwich, and I didn't do it because I didn't want to cheat, is really like um, typically like a hummus base. With just veggies on top, I actually like cucumbers did that. and sprouts and stuff like that. I actually did that today. That's my preference. Red onion, a little bit of red onion. So I woke up super early because I was doing some some work at like you know six thirty seven. I actually went out and up and fired the grill, put two pieces of bread, slathered some olive oil on that some bitch, put them out, grilled it, and then put some red roasted red pepper hummus on that. Put some turkey on it, and then honey and black pepper. Wow, it was an awesome lunch. Um, 
I'm gonna kick. I'm gonna cheese kick right now. I've I've got some uh, boar's head blackened uh, turkey. That's some milk turkey that has like a blackened rind to it, with some horseradish cheddar, ramalot sauce, spinach, and tomato. Mm. Ooh, ramalot is like my go-to condiment. If you we're gonna, sure? have to, if we're talking like a like a sandwich, it's gotta have ramalot. Boar's head is also choice meat too. Oh yeah. I am. Um, I actually. I, I've really gotten into. Uh, Verizon mustard in the past year or so. I probably have like six different types of mustard in my refrigerator at any given time. You have any beaver mustard? Uh, no, I don't. It's actually so a buddy of mine that I grew up with. His mom was from Montreal, and he went up and got. It was literally called beaver mustard. Huh. It was like it was spicy and it was full flavored. It was delicious. Might have you try to add that to my collection? Yeah, look for it. Beaver. You're welcome. Mustard. Okay. <laughs> Coming up after the break, we're going to go around the league. we got five tough questions to get to as well. You're listening to the Predcast. He's Chris. He's John. I'm Dan. We'll be right back. These days, you need a partner current and latest website design standards, one that also provides quality support services like hosting, email, e-commerce, CMS, and more. And you need a partner experienced in online branding and marketing, like social media, search engine marketing, rich media, and email marketing. You need a partner that knows how to market your company in today's age of advertising. You need LionZone. Their professional staff and partners have the know-how, creativity, and experience to help you reach your marketing goals. Contact them today for a free consultation at 615-353-0402. That number again is 615-353-0402. Or you can reach them on their website at www.lionzone.com. Lion Zone, Nashville's leading internet marketing agency since Welcome back in. Let's take a look around the league real quick. Um, the big story that uh, a lot of people in the Northeast want to talk about right now, Pittsburgh Penguins, all the offense in the world, and they can't score. Kind of awesome, isn't it? It's great. You're, you're enjoying this. Oh, I'm loving it. Yeah. Crosby didn't have a shot on goal for the first two and a half games. Really? Yeah. With Kessel in his line? He's well, and that's – I saw a couple people speculating that maybe he was trying to force it to Kessel a little bit too much. Um, so he was deferring, if you will. And, yeah, I think yeah, he had four shots on goal in the game last night, but no goals, no assists, no points. Yeah, bringing in a, a piece like Kessel is really going to change the way you run your, your line, and I think they just need to acclimate that a little bit more. I don't. You, I really don't think you can hold guys like Crosby and Kessel off the score sheet for very long. Mm-hmm. It's going to click, and it's going to get scary mm-hmm. fast. So enjoy it while it lasts. I don't, it still kind of seems like you're just like a almost like an Edmonton style strategy where you're just throwing great players together because Kessel's strength is his speed, whereas Crosby's just kind of wants to like just uh, hang around the zone and squeeze and you know that line be like a boa constrictor until they finally find a weakness on you. Yeah, but a player like Crosby can play with anyone really. Oh, he can, but Kessel's strength is on the counter. Kessel's strength is coming into the zone with speed, whereas Crosby wants to get the puck in the zone and. Well, I could, I could argue that the reason Kessel's strength has been the counter is because he's played for the Maple Leafs for most of his career, and all they do is counter because they suck. Yeah. 
This is true. But breakaways equal goals. Not to, Well, I should say, the defense for Pittsburgh kind of sucks, and their depth kind of sucks. So it shouldn't be that unfamiliar to them. Mm. So let's enjoy this while we have it, while the Pittsburgh Penguins are sucking. We're just going to cherish the moment, all I'll, of us together. I'll enjoy the Flyers just going into the... Uh, can't it's not console just, energy it, center yeah i can't get over the fact that it's not not the, the igloo the, anymore the igloo anymore i keep wanting to say the yeah. igloo. going to the energy center like i don't i think the flyers have only lost like once or twice in the console energy center since the penguins moved in they just go in there just wipe the, the penguins floor, can't win amazing. against the flyers in general oh, it's a beautiful thing because the flyers can't beat anybody in general <laughs> if only they could have 82 games against the penguins they might go somewhere <laughs> Uh, Connor McDavid made a little bit of news the other night. Uh, got his first goal. Uh, his team got absolutely blistered by the Stars, allowing over 50 shots. And, oh, yeah, he uh, has his first uh, could have his first run-in with the Department of Player Safety with his hit on Johnny Oduya. I think we would have heard about it if it was going to happen yet. But, yeah, it was, uh, it was not a good hit. He had about a good second or two to break, and he went right into Oduya's numbers and threw him right into the boards. It was one of those, you know, rookie sort of – mental errors that fortunately didn't turn as bad as it could have mm-hmm. i mean that was the distance that Adui was out and his positioning he could have gotten really hurt that would that would have been like snap next city um that's a really weird thing to say uh snap next city is a great name for a band I, I, like I, an album yeah, there we go or, or both self-titled yeah uh so i mean he, it's fortunate it didn't go that way and, and hopefully Hopefully, they, when they were looking at the film and they were breaking it all down, somebody said, never do that again, ever, and then repeated it to him several times, made him watch it on, on loop for an hour. Yeah, and I would I would totally be fine with the Department of Player Safety just sitting him for a game as a, hey, because, I mean, that's exactly the type of stuff that they're trying to get rid of, you know, hits from behind when you have ample time to stop. I did notice that in the replay, uh, when Odia got up, he burned that license plate number in the back of his head. So I think McDavid's going to have a little bit of a mark on the back of his jersey if he, yeah, more so than he has already. Let's be honest. What's Johnny Odia going to do? Tell his people in Chicago to do things. That's right. Cause they're, you know, okay. Yeah, Johnny Odia was in Chicago long enough. He's somehow related to Al Capone. That's how it works. I can't think of a good Swedish joke. So, but just think, know that I'm thinking of one. <laughs> Alex Ovechkin in the news also as well. He got scratched because he was apparently late. Uh, the story was that he overslept. I haven't really been paying attention to this just because I'm, I think it's a, making a bigger deal out of it than what it is. But still, it's, actually, I was pretty surprised at how most people just kind of oh, it happened. Like a couple years ago, this would have been like national news. Like Canada would have been all over it. Um, basically, he said 8:30 p.m. instead of 8:30 a.m. Missed a practice, was held accountable. Just a morning skate, not even like a full on practice. Oh yeah, morning skate. Morning skate. Here's the thing: I I kind of like my job is not a professional athlete, but every day I like I don't even need an alarm clock because I get up every day at the same time. I know that I'm not a I'm not someone who flies everywhere and has to make all these different clocks. But what are you doing if you're a pro athlete not up at eight thirty in the morning? Um, Someone who works. Whose job doesn't start until like seven o'clock at night? Right. Did they have a game the night before? Mm-hmm. See, Probably this not. was Wednesday. Uh, yeah, they did have a game. No, I'm sorry, they didn't. They were off because it yeah. was only their second game. Yeah. Stuff happens. I mean, I've yeah. I've set my alarm for the wrong time and have woken up late. I've I've been there. I get it. Slept a lot it. of a lot of people. I, I can't yeah. sit through an alarm, but I can totally uh, people, sleep through Yeah, alarm. people have been in the position. They've set the alarm wrong. I've set I've set it to um 
Yeah, like for me, I've said it to like 6.30 p.m. before. After that's, like a that, power yeah, that's what he did. Yeah, yeah I, that, I've done that as well. So I can sympathize. And, and also, I mean, it's... It's Barry Trotz. I mean, this is a guy who, if you get who two elite players were like a couple minutes late for curfew, so he benched them and basically threw the Stanley Cup, um, at least through the playoffs. Stanley Cup's a little getting getting a bit a little bit ahead of uh, ahead of them, but basically now the, the the rules as they are is you know strict no zero tolerance are more important than than the game, and I, you know because of that I can't disagree with him. I don't. I wouldn't do it myself. I wouldn't make the same decision, but I can't begrudge someone for having strong sticking to their principles no matter what what i thought was funny is uh joel ward a couple years ago got scratched from a game for doing the same thing he slept through an alarm and joel ward was in washington last night returning for san jose so i'm guessing that he had something to do with it try and goose the numbers a little (laughs) bit snuck into ovi's room and am pm that'd be pretty good rib um speaking of san jose starting off the season pretty good i'd I'm wondering what the psychology of this team. They realize that this may be their last go-round with Marlowe, Thornton. They better save some for the playoffs then. Yeah, but... That's never worked from the they past, gotta, though. They got to make it into the playoffs, yeah. which, you know, they if they were if they had uh, bullets left in the chamber last year, then um, that's on them, so... I mean, I think having uh, a new coach come in has helped a lot. I think having a new goalie... I mean, Martin Jones has played fantastic... I mean, he's out playing Pecorino right now, and Pecorino has a nine seventy-five uh, save percentage. Um, it's not going to last as far as Jones's play, uh, but he is looking like he could legit be a, a starter. And that team is just firing on all cylinders right now, which is kind of what they want. I mean, I've had a, the pleasure of watching two Sharks games so far, and I mean, they they do look good. All four of us, or all three of us, predicted them to make the playoffs. Just mm-hmm. for the record, yeah, I think I think they're. Probably playing like I expect them to play. I don't. I don't expect to be this as successful as they are right now. But I, I think they'll be consistent through the season. That's good to hear. I think the NHL's better when the Sharks are involved. That's just. I, I and I. I'll be hundred percent honest. I really want to watch the Sharks win a Stanley Cup. I've always. I always have. I think you're maybe. I don't know. I. I, I want to see Joe Thornton win one, but. Um, I'd be fine with it depending on who they play. Depending on who they play. I'm okay with that. But yeah, sure, if they were playing like the Flyers, I'd be like, boo, you guys can go back to your sunny, beautiful city with overpriced real estate, says someone from Philadelphia, <laughs> um, who has the real estate but not the prettiness. Um, you know what, let's just go and dig into it because I have a feeling I'm going to take a, quite a bit of time with our questions tonight. This is Five Tough Questions brought to you by an amazing dynamic sponsor opportunity here. Related to the Sharks' hot start, um, looking further down the coast to Los Angeles, is Daryl Hutter, Daryl Sutter, on the hot seat in Los Angeles? I'd say so. Because there were, again, you can read into it all you want, but there was those uh, reports from last year saying that the players locked him out of the room. Uh, you know, maybe that was a one-off thing. Maybe it wasn't. We don't know. Uh, I think it's not all of his fault that they're starting so slow. I mean, I did not like the Lucci acquisition one bit. Granted, I don't like Milan Lucic, so that might be why. But they should be starting better than they are. I mean, they're 0-3 right now. They don't look good. Quick isn't making a save. I would say the, the big reason Quick isn't making a save is because people still way overrate him. He's, I, yeah. yeah I, I, think, I think people way overrate Quick. Um, it's because of his playoff prowess. 
Yeah, I mean, everyone's like, oh, he's got great pads. I mean, they're, it's the butterfly, it's pads. What do you, like, what do you expect? Yeah, any goalie should stop those. I don't know, I, I can just I can just say all these things, and I can just, like, see Claire tweeting at me. Yeah, but... Uh, <laughs> do you think he is? Uh, I, I, think, I, I think the whole organization is trying to sort themselves out a little bit right now. They had a, a very bad summer in terms of just running a hockey team they made a lot of they did a lot of stupid things uh they handled a lot of situations very poorly and you know that does set a tone you know you expect the players to rise above and say you can say all these things but you know when there's unrest there's unrest and that affects people's Mm -hmm. performance so i think that's playing into a little bit i think um we're also seeing a team that is starting to be forced to make changes to balance the salary cap to be competitive and, you know, you always see teams stumble a little bit like that. The Bruins stumbled, and, and they ended up falling. The Blackhawks stumbled, and they, they, they've recovered, and they're going through the pro- They keep going back and forth. Um, so you get, everyone keeps kind of waiting for them to fall. The Canucks. But, yeah, the Canucks, they, they did and they stumbled. It's very hard to get that elite point and then keep it going for a long time. And I think we're seeing the first sign of struggle for how the Kings, they, they were built to be successful for a good amount of time, longer than a lot of teams are able to be uh, successful. Only the Blackhawks probably are a good comparison there. And, you know, they just have to see if they can push through this or they're going to stumble and fall like the Sharks did a little bit, like the Canucks did, like the Bruins did, like we've seen. I think he is about the middle of the season. That if um, if San Jose is going to is going to actually make a push for the division just based on the fact that Tom McClellan, he, he was part of the furniture in San Jose practically. If you're going to have a guy who's going who can come into the LA locker room, let's say... I know Dan Balsma's not going anywhere from Buffalo, but let's say let's let's say in this mythical world, Balsma walks into that uh, dressing room in Los Angeles. Let's say if he was if, if someone like that, someone that kind of personality, a player's coach, who's a complete opposite from Daryl Sutter. Daryl Sutter's a hard ass. I mean, we're talking about. I've, I've heard the same things about the players wanting to lock him out of the room. And with the um, with how Mike Richards was treated and just Darrett still not coming back, which I think they're going to miss him as well. They probably uh, could stand to have a little bit more TLC coming from their uh, coming from their management, coming from the coach. I, I don't think that change would help them be winners. I think it would help them transition and, and regain their competitive nature uh, eventually. I but I, as long as they make it into the playoffs, that's still a dangerous yeah, team. Yeah, I, I think Sutter is too good of a coach, and it's his systems and his leadership that actually found them success, as well as some, some good GM work as well. Yeah. But now they're they're in this challenge point. I think you, if you can take the pieces you have right now and make them work again with the leadership they have, I think that leads them to success sooner than trying to do a regime change behind the bench. Because then you're going to have to change philosophies, start changing out player personnel to, to fit into a new style. It makes it way more complicated. And I don't think that it's going to be something that we're going to see right away. Um, I don't know what LA's schedule is coming up, but they've played a great team so far in San Jose. Uh, they played a team that wasn't supposed to be very good in, in Arizona, but who's starting off really well right now. Uh, and then ditto with the Canucks uh, when they played last night. The, I didn't have the Canucks pegged to be a very good team, but they're winning games right now as well. Um, so I think that it's just going to be something that they're going to figure out as the games start going on. Uh, I don't think that they're going to pull a Philadelphia and fire him three games into the season or anything like that. But I could definitely see him after this start, people start putting some eyes in the back of his uh, in his back and getting that that seat a little bit hot getting ready to maybe see if it's time to time to change there number two 
Nashville Predators question. Currently on the roster, or maybe in the system somewhere, who is the best center right now to play beside Craig Smith? It's a tough one. I think you broke my brain. Um, <laughs> that The answer to that is whoever at the moment I mean it's it's like there's the center position is so weak in the predator organization I don't know who you put there you either say you say Ribeiro or Fisher um, I think right now it's got to be Fisher because I don't trust Fisher at all in between Forsberg and Neil for the reasons that we described earlier in the show but I don't have any faith in Hodgson there right now uh, just because he hasn't done anything I, I don't think that Cal Yarncroak's a second line center um, and there's there's no one there's no there's no one else so I think right now it's probably Mike Fisher which again says a lot about the organization and their depth at center than it does about the team I mean, Paul Statsney maybe I don't know <laughs> like my Austin Watson gang signer thing I'm sorry. Is that a serious question, though, or a serious answer? Um, had, he, he, playing on the fourth line, he was getting shredded. I can't wait to see him play second line minutes. It'd be fun. I'm talking about. Uh, Crook, I think, would be at least interesting to see, but that would be more of a second line role, or part of a third line role for him, because Crook is a bit of a playmaker. The problem is that he, we don't know what he does beside talent. I mean, he had a good stretch last year to start the year beside Wilson and Smith, but and Fisher he, came back. Yeah, he looked okay when he was playing uh, on that top line, but not good enough to where I want him to stay there. Y- Yarncroke is the player, the way we, we talk about him and view him, is the player Leguan was without all of the first-round pick original Predator hype. You take all that away, and it's like, there's there's what leg there's kind of a leg one-ish player maybe not quite quite as good defensively. Yeah, I mean they're both similar skaters. I think uh, Yarnkirk sees the ice maybe a little bit better, but um, leg one's still a very smart player. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean hockey and boats and the guys like a genius. Anything else and you're getting into trouble. Very much true. I mean, I'm pretty sure that leg one helped invent common core. Wow. That's, you got anything to add to that? I don't. Yeah, I don't think there's anything to add to that. <laughs> Number three, the Boston Bruins are quietly shopping Zdeno Chara and Brad Marchand. You're our favorite players. Um, what are the odds that they end up with the Oilers, or at least, or if not there, somewhere in the West? And second part of that, will this finally be the time that the Boston Bruins win a trade? Well, no. <laughs> yeah. I can answer but that second question already. I, I don't think Chara is going to allow himself to be traded to the Oilers. Yeah, he's got history there with Chiarelli, but I mean, he's got that full but he's, no I mean, movement clause. At his age, he's going to be wanting to go somewhere that's going to be oh, instant cup. Yeah. He, he wants to go to a 100% cup contender and get one more shot in before he's, get, before he's just giving up for retirement. That's not the Oilers. I mean, Marshawn, maybe, but it's hard well, to. He's, he's got a concussion still, doesn't he? Uh, I think they said there's no timetable. I haven't yeah, seen any so news I mean, it's on hard it. to think about because he's, he's concussed and who knows when he's going to be available to be traded. But Chara, you know, it, it's gonna it's gonna be hard to say until we get to the point where uh, there are contenders and there's people who are close and people who need extra defense. And if you've got a quality defenseman up for trade, that is a huge thing to have available to trade deadline. And Boston being a really good position to win a trade with a team that just needs really good elite defense mm-hmm. um, to to bolster their opportunity. So if Boston ever needed to win a trade, trading Chara near the deadline is the way to do it. 
your best opportunity. What about a team like Vancouver? I was thinking along the lines of like Columbus or something like that. Columbus, Florida. I mean, again, they're not. I wouldn't say them as cup contenders, but they need help I mean, on the Florida back end. Need, Florida's defense, I think, should be okay this year. They've got a lot of pieces there. Uh, Vancouver's the one that is the team that does not have, out of all the teams in the West that could make a playoff push, they do not have a number one defenseman aside from Chris Tanev. Uh, yeah. It's so early. I mean, they, yeah, Vancouver's won a few games, but in a yeah, month I, they could I, yeah, have I, bottomed I, out. I, the narrative of Chara going to Vancouver. Oh, because Boston and Vancouver had the contentious playoff series? Is that, yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's where I was going with that. Okay. It was a... Big playoff series, from what yeah, I heard. It was, it was. Well, it's a contentious. I used a word. <laughs> but it, I mean, it was. Never mind. It was a little bit bigger than a playoff series. Some may say there was a pretty big trophy award at the end. Of well, it's Eastern. It's Eastern and Western. It's obvious. It's a given. They don't play in the like regular part of it. Number four, Gary Bedman has came out and stated that the expansion teams will not start play in 2016. Are either of you buying the theory that the league is wanting a new bid from Seattle before finalizing the expansion? I could totally see it. Uh, did any of us expect an expansion team to start in 2016? I thought we were looking at 2017. So did I. I mean, I, I think he, he was just saying stuff that we already knew. But we haven't. But the just if you read the clippings, that the uh, the talk of expansions kind of cooled down a little bit. I mean, we they went to the, the stage one, stage two, stage three. Oh, okay, let's 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 pull back a little bit. Here. Well, they also passively aggressively called out, or I'm sorry, passive aggressively called out Seattle in when they said, "Oh, two teams have submitted their expansion bids." And to paraphrase, we were expecting more, but we didn't get it. I I really I think Bettman and and the Angels as a whole really want to see two expansion teams in the West so they don't have to do some kind of nutty realignment. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can put Las Vegas in with the Central, and you can put... Um, though they're a, little, they're a little west to do that, but maybe instead of... They're in the mountain time, right? Yeah, yeah they're, that's why I said they're maybe they may uh, they're a close, far west. They're maybe close to Colorado. Col- Colorado it, it isn't there, so... Yeah. Yeah, there, I don't I mean, think, well, I don't think it's a problem. I just, yeah. And then you easily put Seattle in the Pacific, and, and you... Uh, and those crazy people up there will invent a new Cascadia Cup because they can't help themselves. Um, and it'll become an even bigger deal, and then they will want a team in Portland, and it'll just go. It'll be a disaster. Oh, I mean, a good disaster. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah and I, I think it's just one of those things that, you know, Quebec City looks like it's set for a team, but, again, that realignment is just, I mean, look at what Winnipeg had to go through for those first couple years that they were in there playing in the Southeast Division. Um, so, and, you know, realignment talk is cooled off now. How, who knows when that's going to fire up again, but I could totally see them wanting two teams, the two expansion teams, to be Seattle and Las Vegas, and then Quebec City is a relocation. That could work. That could work. Um, all right. Number five. Buffalo, right now, is going to be missing Robin Leonard for a while. Whenever we first uh, did our predictions for the year, you two guys both had Toronto as the dead last team in the Atlantic. Yeah, Buffalo right above there. Does this change anything as far as your predictions go? I don't think so. No, no, I don't think so. I still think that as bad as Buffalo could and will be, I think Toronto is going to be worse. Also, Buffalo is a mixed team, and they can't fall behind Canada. No, Buffalo Buffalo's America's team. They are now, from, from this season, for the, for the next five plus years, they're America's team. Uh. They are. <laughs> I promise you. 
Okay. They are right now. Right now, that they are they are downtrodden and defeated, and they have to pull themselves together. They have to build something from nothing, and they are showing that they can do it, and they are going to do it. and They're going to be successful, and that they're going to be they're going to be define themselves as a really elite team in a few years, and it's all going to make sense in a narrative. You want me to speculate wildly about from one season then from the beginning to the end of the season for trades? I'm speculating with the franchise successes over the course of five years. I'm going further. It's going to take that long? Why wouldn't it? Their team is like 12 years old. <laughs> at least the players that are worth keeping. I'd say they're probably like three or four years, actually. Looking at that division. Look at look at that division, man. Because Tampa, as, as much as I like Tampa, I'm a realist to know that there's no way you can keep all this talent together on that team with the salary cap being, being that close to the salary cap. There's no way. If you resign Stamkos, you're going to give him the freaking bank. And you're not going to be able to keep all of the triplets. You're not going to be keep Killhorn. You're not going to be keep able to keep all those guys together. Who's up for RFA this year? Is it are the triplets next year or um, are some of them this year? I think at least one of them's this year. I know Stamkos is up this year. Right. Who wants to talk about? But because um, I, I was just curious, without without looking at it off the top of my head, I remember that most of the good players that they have, like Johnson, Kucherov. Some of those are up next year. Some of them are up this year. I just don't yeah, remember. I think Palat's who. up this year, I believe. I'll have to go back there and check that. Um, they're the one team, I think, that really wanted expansion to happen next year because then the salary cap would go up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> the only way they'd be able yeah. to keep some of this stuff together. So um, at the end of the season, or no, at the end of, yeah, for the 2016-2017 season, um, you've year. got... Well, this, this is the way they've got this laid out. is a little confusing. Um, so you've got uh, Kalorn coming up, Brown, Peket, Kucherov, Druin, and, and Nemestikov all getting very close to, to uh, being RFAs. That's a lot of that team. That is. Wow. And Coburn, too. You know, give Coburn a bunch of money. Good old mm-hmm. Brandon Coburn. Bless his heart. He tries. I'm sure he's a nice guy. Um all right, that was really about it on the uh, on the five tough questions here. Uh, looking ahead, there's the going to uh, Long Island or Brooklyn tomorrow night, uh, up to the capital of Canada or at least somewhere near it, playing the Senators and home against the Lightning. Last year, there was a pattern that this team had a model of consistency, going essentially two and one or three and one or something similar to that each week. Um, so it went three and zero the first week, second week. What's your what's your target? Say two and one would be a good week. I'd be I'd be fine with that. A loss against either one of Tampa or Brooklyn would not be the worst thing in the world. Uh, I think that they should win against the Senators because I'm not particularly high on that team. Um, so yeah, I'd say two and one. I'm feeling pessimistic this week. I'm going to go with one and two. They're going to have a rough next couple games, and they're going to come back against the Lightning and, and win. Oh, are we going with what we think is going to happen or what would be good for them? No, what do you think is going to happen? I'd say 1-1-1. One, one, and one. I hate calling overtime ones. Yeah. I just can't do it. I'm just going to – we'll, like we'll, we'll do it. I think that they're going to go to overtime once. One of these games, they're going to – I'm sure they'll go to overtime, but I just – whatever. It's going to be one to nothing, and then they're going to allow a goal right before the horn is going to go to overtime. I like the 1-1-1. One, one, one. I'm going to go with that one as well. A um, couple of news and notes. Uh, we were originally going to look at a viewing party this weekend, but two things. Number one, I've got college football duty hosting the uh, post game show for your Vanderbilt Commodores, but also um, 
there's no way in hell we get a sports bar in Nashville to turn off college football for a hockey game. And also, we hate you people. Yeah, we really don't like you people anyways. I like, uh, but, your, I like all of you for the most part. I like you. Well, I'm talking to the, the listeners, November, oh, fans. November, though, we are going to look at putting something together. Um, it's kind of our target for that. Uh, once ever football season slows down, everyone can have, we can have a Saturday night. We can just flood and take over a place. And I want to work with the Reddit group as well. So um, uh, Cam, really good guy over there. Uh, Janetta, they got a really good crew running the Preds Reddit these days. So check them out if you get tired of us. Um, that's about all Or I keep have. listening to us. You can do both. You can multitask. Yeah. All right. Uh, all right. Uh, any last words before we close up the shop on this one? No, I'm actually would like to say that I hope I kind of hope that the Predators get stomped tomorrow. Real back. We want to see character built through adversity. Real back, and then finally realize, wow, what's going on right now isn't working, and then just lights out the rest of the year. I want to see them at least have like a period where they just where they realize that. We can't do this without just on talent alone. Just and have like that, uh, that uh, Herb Brooks moment. And although I will say, if there was ever a game that I want Peck Arena to post another shutout, it would be tomorrow night in Brooklyn. Have you heard that goal horn? They changed. They did change that, I believe. Did they? Yeah. Good. You're going to get a microphone timeout. I'm sorry. I always have to do something bad at the end of the show. I know. It's two strikes. Yeah, we were talking earlier today about like how, how I have my headphones up so much. I'm, I'm in a Maybe you game. shouldn't do that anymore. I, I, I won't now. Well, it's great. He didn't, he didn't even clip. Isn't that impressive? <laughs> no clipping whatsoever. I'm clipping right now. All right, guys. Um, you can follow him on Twitter at 3DLink. You can follow him on Twitter at JGarcia36. You can follow myself at DanDBradley. You can follow the show at On the Forecheck. Uh, this has been the Predcast, brought to you by Lions Internet Marketing Solutions. I'll see you all next week.